Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to ALR PRA's Law Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Augustine. This show is produced by ALR PRA Incorporated, a global law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We also connect domestic and international law firms for international legal issues. At ALR PRA, we help manage our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Our primary activities are law firm public relations, marketing, and credentialing. We also offer a wide variety of practice management services to help you with all the back-end business of managing a law firm. Today's guest is Alan R. Sims. He's worked as a forensic real estate appraiser and expert witness for the past 17 years. He formed the Alan R. Sims appraising firm in 1993 after an extensive career as an engineer in the fields of telecommunications and sonar development while serving in the U.S. Navy. As a forensic real estate appraiser, Mr. Sims grew frustrated by seeing the real estate market decline, but more importantly, seeing some of his clients losing their homes to predatory lending and other unscrupulous real estate practices. For the past several years, he's volunteered to advise anyone who could contact him on a plan of action. As the, as the calls come in from all over California and all over the country, Alan recognized the need for reform. He formed the Center for Litigation and Consumer Real Estate Education in an effort to assist the public. His website is www.alansims.com. We'll be back with Alan in a moment after we go through a disclaimer and some few announcements. We do have a great show for you this afternoon, and we invite your caller questions either by email directly at nick, N-I-C-K, at A-L-R-P-R-A, Com with Law Talk Radio in the subject line, or please call in by dialing area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number again is area code 917-889-9732. Please press option 1 to be placed in the queue. By way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may vary and are based on specific facts and location. The opinions expressed by guests of the show are not the official opinions of ALRPRA Incorporated. Communication with our attorney guests among callers and guests on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. And if you have further questions, you're always encouraged to consult with an attorney and professional in your area. This programming is politically neutral and objective, and counterpoints to views expressed are always welcome. Finally, callers may remain confidential, and all rights this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. We'll be with Alan in one moment after we read you the next announcement. The international software and technology law firm of Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC, presents their software licensing webinar on February 15, 2011. Negotiating software licenses is a complicated process that takes knowledge and skill. Changing technology and new methods for software development and delivery have changed the game. The consequences now of getting it wrong can be severe. This webinar will focus on understanding software licenses, their legal background, and how to maximize your rights while minimizing your risks during the negotiation process. 
For more information about Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC, please visit mshtechlaw.com. And if you're interested in this webinar, you can find a link on the law firm's blog under the Publications tab. Additionally, as ALRPRA is promoting this event, you can email me for more information. My email, again, is nick at alrpra.com. And we thank you for passing on this information to those who may feel be interested in this webinar. Now, as far as today's show, we're our outline for today's program, the Home Affordable Modification Program, better known as HAMP, H-A-M-P, is a program under the Obama administration through which eligible borrowers receive permanent five-year modification if they make timely reduced payments for three months. When Bank of America failed to honor their obligation to Dave Graham, he sued and won with the help of Alan Sims. We'll be talking about this case with Alan Sims, and we'll talk a little bit about the HAMP program and the Dave Graham case, and we'll continue on a general discussion of mortgage fraud and advice on gathering evidence to help your case. So, without further ado, I want to welcome our guest, Alan. Thanks for being on the show this afternoon. Uh, thank you, Mr. Augustine. I appreciate that. I, ever since you contacted me and, and, and since our uh, uh, involvement on Bank of America case has been uh, a little bit of a whirlwind for me, but I've been listening to your shows, and I'm really honored to be on today. Well, I thank uh, you for uh, for your kind words, and I thank you for being on the show. This is something uh -huh. we've been looking for for quite a while, so I'm glad that you found us, and uh, I'm glad that these are, are going on. And I, I, I'll mention, we'll hear from one of our sponsors down the road, Mr. George Finder, um, is a client and friend of ours who is worked uh, heavily in credit damage events, um, and we've had him on the show several times, but you're the first to really tell us how this mortgage fraud really works. So I'm interested in learning more about this. Can you tell us how you got into this line of business? Uh, sure. I started as a real estate appraiser about 17 years ago in New Jersey. Uh, I, I trained for almost seven years working for free. That's how we have to do it when you became a general certified appraiser in the commercial real estate business. Uh, with that in mind, I, after I finished my training, I was able to go ahead and set for my general certified exam, which allows me to appraise for any value anywhere uh, in the United States. Uh, moved to California in the year of 2000, and since then uh, I have been successfully uh, uh, working on the litigation aspects of real property as well as uh, doing some appraisal work, but mainly I have been uh, 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 following all the mortgage fraud activities ever since I came here to California. Uh, the reason I can I can I was curious about that was because I was getting all these. Uh, uh, faxes, and I wasn't familiar with that because mainly, as I said, I'm a commercial real estate appraiser. Uh, they were faxing me, asking me, the mortgage brokers were asking me to come up with uh, with uh, a predetermined value for these homes. Now, this started probably back in 2002, and it continued through um, uh, 2007, and I did uh, have a couple of these I even sent you uh, because it's it's unbelievable when I give my classes on mortgage fraud and uh, loan scammers uh, to attorneys and judges. They're, they're shaking their head because these were physical – these were, were just violations of the federal law to ask the appraiser to come up with a predetermined value. And it was such a domino effect. Uh, we saw what happened here with the appraiser, the mortgage broker, uh, the banks who raised their hand saying, well, we didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, but uh, that's why, like, Countrywide went down and other banks like that, and also the private lending or the private investment companies uh, went down on Wall Street because no one was paying attention, and, and it, it was just fantastic. So 
I started to to look at how I could assist the public because I knew this was coming. And uh, about two years ago, we had so many loan modification scammers uh, uh, in California, especially. And I think they were all mortgage brokers at one time. They kept the same list, and now they can't move coming back to the people saying, look, we can modify your loan again. Um, I started uh, working with the public. Uh, we started working uh, uh, with the PBS uh, on television, and from there we went on to assist a number of people in small claims venue because that's where they had to go after these loan modification scammers. Uh, it seems like the $1,500 to $3,500 range was the main uh, take of a lot of these scammers. Uh, so we started a program to train the public uh, how to go ahead and present your case, how to go ahead and look at the Foreclosure Consultant Act laws that were in place in California, uh, and how to uh, basically gather your evidence. As an expert, I, I could teach them how to gather their evidence. And also in our small claims venue in California, you can bring an expert. You can't bring an attorney to court. So uh, that worked out rather well up to a point where um, uh, now it has shifted to more uh, nationalized programs such as the HAMP program. Uh, the uh, HAMP program, as you as you indicated, was a was a, uh, a program that was instituted uh, with most national banks, and a lot of banks volunteered for this. It's still a voluntary program, and they offered loan modifications to the homeowner, and they tried with trial periods. They had specific uh, period of time that they have to make their decisions on, and they started slipping on that. Uh, the implementation of the program just just wasn't there. Uh, they had too many people calling, not enough people answering the phones, uh, but they were collecting the money from the government to do this. So I can't collect the money if I'm not doing the services. And it kind of spearheaded a lot in August of this year because I came up with a solution for some of our clients. Um, why don't we go ahead and start looking at, at a fraud issue? If I was testifying in court and you wanted my opinion what happened, I basically referenced California Civil Code 1565 through 1590, their fraud statutes. And we mainly concentrated on 1572, which was a suppression of known fact. The banks knew that most of the people could never qualify, but yet they kept them on these trial modification programs that were supposed to only go 90 days. A lot of them are going 18 months and beyond. And also they used undue influence because they kept on calling the, the homeowners up saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about your credit. Don't worry about all these things. It will all iron out at the, at the end of this program. So we had a individual, as you are aware of, David Graham, who was the first uh, person in Big Bear Lake, California, a little place up in the mountains here, and he decided to take on Bank of America. And uh, we proceeded in uh, October of 2010 to go ahead and, and uh, help him uh, file his paperwork in small claims court here. Uh, we went in in front of Judge Pacheco, which uh, all this has been reported on the Huffington Post, and we also had some follow-up on MSNBC. Uh, Dylan Radigan show, and uh, it's been very interesting because um, uh, Mr. Graham was able to present his evidence. We were able to to get a fraud judgment against Bank of America. It was so interesting that the Attorney General from Arizona contacted me 
and asked me if he could get the transcript of, of the case. How did you go ahead and prove this? Because normally in superior court uh, and even federal court, we go through a lot of different process where we never get a chance to talk to the person at the other end of the phone, the people who've been really instituting this fraud against the homeowner. Uh, so we were very lucky in getting Bank of America's uh, uh, people in there that basically stated that they were not trained. <laughs> They're trained to take the money, and uh, it, it, it was just absolutely incredible what happened. And, and with this, our, our client, uh, David Graham, won the case, won, won his judgment. He received uh, about $7,600. That check is still uh, with the court. It should be released in about three weeks. And now, as, as you were indicating, some of your, your, uh, one of your other experts, uh, we're working on trying to see how we can uh, straighten his credit out because he's a victim of consumer fraud. Sure, sure. Uh, Alan, I have a question. When you mm -hmm. said that you are doing this in small claims court, um, and every, of course uh, every jurisdiction has different rules, and, and in California you cannot bring an attorney to small claims court, but you can bring an expert, as you mentioned, is very interesting. Um, I'm wondering if, if some of the response has been due to this win coming from a small claims venue where usually these are long and drawn out litigation. I mean, suing the bank is a long and drawn out thing. Most of the time the bank will hit you with motions to dismiss and um, if you can survive those enough to really put you out or ask you to hire a lawyer and you're going to spend more on litigating than you are possibly ever going to get back. So um, did, did I, what have the comments been as far as this being uh, occurring in a small claims court as opposed to traditional uh, litigation? Well, the comments uh, from a lot of people is, is, is number one, the people can, the homeowners can afford this. I'm not saying that because most of my clients are attorneys, so so let's let's get this straight. Um, um, most of the people can afford that at this stage. Uh, they want to get their feet in the water. They want to get some experience. And we're not talking about getting two bites out of this apple because we're not talking about mortgage fraud at this stage. We're only talking about the HAMP program, the loan modification program. Uh, if they can get some money in their pocket, uh, which let's say in California is 7500 and we just had a, a case today uh, in Virginia. I, I supported that from, from here in California with my declaration. Uh, and that goes up to $5,000. Uh, the scenario being that now they had some money, uh, the homeowner has some money, and the second phase of this, they really wanted to try to help their credit situation because that's mainly their complaints. I want to get something in my pocket to prove that I've been taking advantage of and I want a judgment that shows that I'm, I'm a victim of some type of fraud here. And then if I can do that, I need to hire some type of professional to help me with my uh, credit situation. So uh, as for sole practitioners out there and other attorneys, it's always nice to see a client with some money in their pocket uh, coming there saying, now I have won this judgment. Can, can you help me uh, trying, to, uh, trying to alleviate some of these problems with my credit uh, because I'm a victim of consumer fraud here? And that's ongoing as we speak right now. Some attorneys are stepping up locally to do this. Setting up to, uh, what are you talking about, a class action suit? 
Oh, no, no, no. They're stepping up to help uh, some of these uh, homeowners who have uh, 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 went to small claims court. They have some uh, 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 funds now to, to possibly pay for the legal help of getting their credit repaired uh, because oh, they, they're, they're walking in with a judgment on it. But as far as class action right. suits on the HAMP, on the HAMP program, uh, uh, there's are sums out there, and I mean there are there are some class actions out there. Uh, I always tell uh, anyone that comes in to see our for our, our organization uh, that they are you know please look at your options here. Uh, you know you're only looking at small claims on HAMP. Can you try to contact some some uh, local bar associations, get their lawyer lawyer referral? and see if there's some attorneys out there that have some better solutions on this because this is going to be limited in, 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 in the jurisdiction that you're going into. So uh, this is not the, 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 the exact uh, uh, solution for a lot of people, but it seems like right now with the finances of a lot of people, this is what they really can afford. Sure, sure. I'm looking at this information that you shared with me, the one where um, – and I won't I'll keep this confidential, I won't name names, but on page two, this fax indicates an address for a property, and it's written, they, they need 400000 or need 365000 circled. So these are things that are sent then to the appraiser, that the houses these need to appraise at a certain amount, so they're controlling these values. Very interesting. We're going to pause for a break and then get more uh, deeper into everything going on with the wonderful world of bank and mortgage fraud. Again, thank you to our guest today, Alan Sims. We'll be back in a moment. Your business may be exposed to liability when the marketing materials and slogans you use infringe on another's intellectual property. When you need the right legal services to protect and advance your creativity and want to market safely, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. By clicking the like button on the law firm's business page, you'll receive periodic blog updates with recent developments in the rapidly changing field of intellectual property law. Now another announcement of an upcoming event. Mary Erlane will be participating in an event. She is the individual who helps professionals learn the skill of connecting the dots and removing barriers. On March 15, 2011, from 8 to 9.30 a.m., Mary will conduct the Hands-On Leadership for Women workshop for women rainmakers and leaders in business. This event will be held in the large boardroom here at ALRPRA at 35 East Wacker Drive in Chicago. ALRPRA is sponsoring your registration fees, making this a free event for you. Come by and enjoy a light breakfast and enjoy this pragmatic and acclaimed executive leadership workshop. Space is limited, so please register today by emailing nick at alrpra.com with women rainmakers and business leaders in the subject line if you'd like to reserve your complimentary seat at this workshop. ALRPRA Incorporated is a Chambers Executive Suites tenant, and we want to issue some thanks to Chambers for co-sponsoring this event. Now back to our Law Talk Radio program. Again, we encourage our listeners to call in with any questions. Please dial 919 
917-889-9732, option 1 to be placed in the queue. Again, when you have questions or comments, you can also suggest those through the comment page at ALRPRA.com. And a note to people calling in, if you are listening to the show through the Internet, please turn your speakers down when you call in so that we can avoid some feedback. Now, uh, back to our show. Alan, we were just talking a little bit about uh, this sort of disturbing facts uh, that you shared with me, it seems to be quite blatant what uh, it was going on in some of the frauds. Can you explain in some further detail uh, what is going on behind the scenes, what the people or victims sure. don't know about? Sure. Um, let's just put out that uh, Fannie Mae uh, made some um, statistical analysis uh, several years ago that they were saying six out of ten homeowners uh, in, in is either was nationwide or in California, let's just choose California, uh, were victims of some type of mortgage fraud. Now, that was fine, but they never did anything about it. Uh, but... Uh, what you have in front of you is what I usually speak about uh, in an ethics class uh, at the University of Redlands here. I've been uh, asked to speak uh, monthly on this. Uh, these are appraisal request forms that all appraisers are, are used to be faxed. Now they're probably emailed, but they used to be faxed and, and probably emails. And what has happened is if you see here, these forms are, are from a mortgage broker who works for a bank, uh, you know, one way or another, you can always have the dotted line there. But they ask the appraiser to come up with specific values so the deal will work. That happens if you bought a home from about 2002 to about 2007, or let's even go up to 2008, you had one of these forms uh, sent to an appraiser, and they probably looked like this, the ones that you have in front of you. And it's shocking. I mean, I, I, it is. You can see where they need a specific value. And if you, as an attorney, want to go ahead and start getting into a mortgage fraud uh, 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 venue where basically, okay, I knew this bad mortgage is what they got them in a loan modification scam at the first place or a loan modification requirement right now, uh, it's nice to know something because if the appraisers have been influenced by a mortgage broker, um, Fannie Mae will require that the loan be repurchased. And a lot of attorneys do not know that. And this was in a separate uh, PowerPoint I, I sent you on it in, in, in the mortgage fraud uh, a class. I give. It's a three-hour class. And, and if you can prove that the appraiser was coerced or even that the mortgage broker was asking for this, and you have solid evidence on that, this is a tool a lot of the uh, attorneys do not know about. You can leverage this. And now, has it been leveraged before? Uh, all I can say is yes, uh, and a lot of it has been done uh, uh, outside the courtroom because people don't want to be exposed with this, of course. But these are the tools that, that private attorneys have. Uh, and a good starting point for all of this is a RESPA letter. Now, now this, is, this is the Real Estate Settlement per Procedures Act. And, and I, I, I have to tell you that, that the, I have a website you can go to uh, that for all attorneys to, to, to reference their clients to go write a letter. Uh, and the reason you want to do that, and my website is www.clcree.org. And if you go to that website, uh, you go, where do I start? You click on that button, and you see a RESPA letter. 
and your clients, any attorney clients, uh, you can read that, and then they go to what's something called a HUD link. And when they click on that, it gives them a letter that your potential client can fill out. And what you want your client to ask for is a copy of their mortgage, a copy of their uh, uh, mortgage application, or what they call loan docs, uh, that they filled in, and a copy of their appraisal. And what's interesting is the clients I have so far, and let's say we're talking uh, between 100 to 150 clients who have these asked these respite letters, uh, when they get the information back from the bank, it doesn't match up with what they have in a box in the, in the garage. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So the mortgage broker was, was putting false information related to these, these, uh, uh, these papers that you have in front of you, these appraisal requests, on the loan documents after the original documents were filled out by the homeowner. And this is just, just, just nothing but investigative work, but it gives the attorney a lot of information. Where do you go from there? Well, you got leverage. And where do you go from there is up to the attorney how he wants to pursue this. But this is a, a simple process to qualify your clients before you really take them on and go on that route if you want to go after a mortgage fraud uh, against the bank. Could you define mortgage fraud as you would come to understand it, as those who are listening would come to understand it? When they, uh, How do they know when they're going down the mortgage fraud uh, road? I mean, how do they know when, what are some things that they should look for? Well, I mean, the definition of it is, is kind of, there's not an essential statute on it. You know, it, it's defined as a material misstatement and misrepresentation or omission of information that is relied upon by an underwriter or a lender to fund, purchase, or insure a loan. So with that in mind, is is let's let's take a, 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 a some of my clients that have came in to me and basically we we can call them the Friday night surprise. Uh, what happens is uh, uh, they're been solicited either for a refinance or even a oh let's take a refinance uh, on a home. Um, they have their paperwork in there during this period of time. Um, they've been advised, well, you don't have to pay next month's mortgage on it because that's going to be rolled into your refinance. Why don't you go ahead and uh, do something else with your money and everything be ready for you uh, next week or the following weeks? So the people wait for their documents. They send a notary, not a local notary, but a notary that works for the mortgage broker. Uh, they might be traveling uh, an hour out of their area just because they're used to using this notary. Uh, the notary arrives with the documents. Of course, uh, the documents aren't what they agreed upon on the phone or what they have some temporary documents that they sign there. Uh, and the people back is against the wall because usually this happens on a Thursday or Friday. They have to close everything so they can keep current with their mortgage. Uh, the, the notary gets a little bit active in this, what they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be somewhat of an independent party. Uh, and they say, well, you sign this, you do this, you got any problems, you got to call the mortgage broker up. The mortgage broker gets on the phone with the homeowner and says, look, uh, okay, we can change everything on this for you. We can do it Monday, but I need your signature today because if not, you're going to have a late mortgage here. The uh, homeowner signs it. Uh, next thing you know, they call up on a Monday, and, and what has happened time and time again, oh, your credit score has changed over the weekend. 
that's interesting. Over the weekend, so you have to stay with this mortgage. But don't worry, your home price is going to increase in two years, and you can refinance then. And a lot of people were taken advantage of on, on, on just a bait-and-switch issues on these things. So getting the, 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 the right trail of how that was signed, the mortgage instrument was signed, uh, how it was presented to you, uh, how the appraiser came into your house, was he even there? Was it a trainee that did these things when they were supposed to have a supervising appraiser just signed the, the appraisal also? Uh, these type of investigative uh, documents are really are fairly easy to obtain, but you just need to know what you're looking at. And, and it opens up some opportunities there for the smaller law firm to go ahead and try to uh, uh, get the organization or like a Fannie Mae to buy back the loan and let's start from the starting line all over again if they want to pursue that type of uh, avenue. But mortgage fraud is, is wide and varied, but those are a few things that, that usually are the base elements here, bait and switch uh, uh, and, and, and the fast, uh, what we call the fast eddy appraisal on these things. The guy doesn't even show up at the house, but yet next thing you know, he appraised it. Uh, so these things are pretty obvious, and the paper trail, it, it, once you know what they ask for, is there for you to go ahead and evaluate. Now, then what happens next to the home? The homeowner, um, as you said, they are now being coerced to sign a deal that wasn't what they originally signed up for. Uh, where do they get bitten? Is it, is it higher interest rate? Um, is it clothing costs? Where, where, where? Yeah, the higher interest rates that they have, the pre, uh, prepayment penalty is the major thing. Uh, prepayment penalties such as they're locked into this loan for two years. Now, a lot of people wrote this out from 2002 through 2006, but what happened then in about 2006, they were stuck on, on these loans to 2008. The market started to tank in 2007 uh, because of our raise of interest rates here with the Feds. Uh, from about 4% up to 8% uh, during that period of time. They're trying to put some um, uh, uh, some uh, restrictions on our growth here. And when that happened, people couldn't refinance and get out of those prepayment penalties, which sometimes could be uh, upwards of $20,000 or even more uh, to get into a, a regular loan. So, so they were just really stuck in there. And uh, then as, as the market started to get flooded with all these inventory that people couldn't sell or they had to sell at a, at a, at a high value so they could get out of these prepayment uh, uh, interest or prepayment penalties and the higher interest, that's when the market started just feeding on itself. And it's still feeding on itself today because the banks now have all the inventory and they're, they're eventually going to dump it at, at, a, at a warehouse price. But right now they're trying to keep it uh, up uh, to a point, and uh, people who need to sell at specific values cannot sell because they're competing against uh, uh, foreclosed properties. So then when you go and you are trying to do a modification now or you're trying to participate in a program, that is when many of the homeowners are finding out that they were victims of loan modification scammers. Is that, do I understand correctly? Right. When they do this, uh, a lot of, we require, um, my organization requires uh, most people to fill in, I have an online database. 
that that's available to anyone nationwide. Uh, they fill this in, and they tell me their story. They tell me from the real estate broker to the real estate agent to the appraiser, and we link all that up together on the relational database uh, because a lot of times the defense uh, uh, for the mortgage broker is, well, you signed the contract. Uh, if the mortgage broker is doing the same nasty deal to the, the entire neighborhood, and a lot of it is geographically specific because these these people concentrate it in specific areas because they use the same appraiser to appraise different properties, but in the same geographical area, then we can match them up that that uh, you know they were pulling the scam on more than one person. So when we look at loan modification right now, we also go back to the original loan. Why did you only get an interest-only loan? Well, okay, why don't you write your RESPA letter and let's see what happens. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, it's blatant because the mortgage broker was picking off the uh, uh, Labor Department's website uh, what a carpenter should be making. And that carpenter, they would put that, that they would change the, the income on these low document loans. And there's another reason for low document loans. They were getting more of a kickback from the bank or more percentage on it uh, to, to institute those low document loans or, or, or what they call liar loans. And the mortgage broker would rely on the labor department statistics of what would fly as far as income because that was the underwriting standards for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac at the time. So they knew how the game was played. And when these clients of mine come in and they write their RESPA letter, they get their loan documents, they show me that they only worked X amount of hours a week, they only made so many money, so much money, and then when the documents came in, they had them completely different, and they never saw the final documents. So that's another issue. And, 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 I, and, yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you a real simple um, <laughs> simple comparison to that, and then we got to pause for a break. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. I will tell a story. I had a car accident years ago. I went to buy a car from a friend, a, a guy knew a dealership. And it always starts badly when the story starts with a guy knew a dealership. I went in there, filled out the uh, the finance application, and they took delivery of the car. They didn't run the paperwork through for two months for some reason. I don't know why. They said, you know what, we're having a good, you know, we're gonna do. All right, I, I don't work in the car deal dealership industry. I don't do this, so what do I know? I, then three months, two months later, they called the law firm I was working at, and they had changed everything on my application and had represented that I had worked for this law firm for much longer than I actually had, um, that I made way more money than I did. And so when no one would back it up um, and said that this was not the correct information, then the dealership came back and said, well, we can keep you in your car. We just we don't know how we made a mistake, but now we will need an extra $2,500 down. So guess who took the car right back to them the next day? Me. <laughs> so um, yeah, these things, I mean, they can happen to anyone. Anyone who's doing a, a refinance of a student loan, um, a student loan, a car, a house, you name it, people out there are willing to take, you know, anytime that someone's getting paid on closing or there's closing costs, there's a potential for abuse. So we'll be right back with Alan Sims with more information on how to protect yourself uh, and more information about the Dave Graham case. I'm interested in hearing more about that in a moment when we after we pause for our daily legal news and the message from another sponsor. So today's daily legal news comes from the AMLAW Daily. Again, we get all of our daily legal news from the American Lawyer, the AMLAW Daily. Today is the AMLAW 100 DLA U.S. profits rise 12%. 
posted by Chris Johnson. Uh, got it today at February 8th. Uh, at 3.07 p.m., DLA Piper's U.S. arm has reported an increase in revenue for 2010, eking out a 1% rise in top-line earnings to $1.03 billion, according to the figures provided by the firm. The firm also published profitability to record levels with the U.S. profits per partner. Again, whenever you see PPP in parentheses, that's profits per partner. It jumped more than 12% to $1.38 million. That's its highest return since the three-way merger between UK firm DLA and Chicago's Piper Rudnick and San Diego-based Gray, Cray, and Ware in Frederick uh, in 2005. In a clean sweep of rising financials, DLA's U.S. revenue per lawyer, the RPL, was up 8% to $879,000, while its profit margin climbed 3% to a three-year high of 29%. DLA chairman Frank Birch said via email that the firm is very satisfied with the 2010 results. The results indicate a reversal in fortunes for DLA after seeing a revenue plunge in 14% in 2009. However, having let go more than 100 associates in 2009, DLA confirmed in November that it made further layoffs. With the firm would not commit on how many staffers were affected by the most recent cuts, but the AMLA 200 figures show that its U.S. headcount dropped 7% to 1,176 lawyers in 2010. The U.S. practice has now contracted more than 210 lawyers in the past two years. DLA Piper is structured as a Swiss variant and such re- as such retains separate finances between its U.S. and international arms. In previous years, the AMLA 100 purely reflected the results of the U.S. operation, and for this year's survey, DLA's full global figures will be included. This will not be followed in 2012 by the recent wave of transatlantic mergers, um, many of which t- took place and finally closed on January 1, 2011. Um, um, going on, the DLA, saw, DLA law firm saw global revenues hit $1.96 billion in the last fiscal year, with total lawyer headcount finishing just less than 3,350 lawyers. The global figures also reveal that DLA's UK arm is significantly less profitable than the U.S.'s, with a profit margin of 19% and a profit per partner of 872000 For more on this story and other stories hitting the news, again, big law firms, big business, big money, check out the AMLAW Daily Legal News. At AMLAW Daily, uh, you can just search AMLAW Daily Legal News and you'll go right to the site. Our next sponsor is Get Clients Now. Jim Thompson is a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you need to talk to if you want help getting more clients. Jim Thompson's program, again, is called Get Clients Now, and he'll help help you take the crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is going to be a recurring guest on our Lawyer's Toolbox show regarding attorney marketing. To learn more about Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group, please visit at midwestconsultants.net and also check out his testimonials on Facebook by searching Got Clients Now. ALRPRA strongly endorses the Get Clients Now program and understands the personal account, a personal accountability component of this course. You can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by visiting midwestconsultants.net. Now back to our show and I apologize to our sponsors and our guests. I am still getting over the worst cold I've had in years. Luckily I had it during the uh, big 
blizzard or snowpocalypse, as they're calling it here in Chicago. Um, so as I get back up to speed, I apologize if I stumble over some text. So uh, back to you, Alan. Let's keep uh, moving on here. Let's talk a little bit more about the the, the Graham case. If you sure. can explain a little uh, bit yeah. more about the HAMP program and how this happened. Sure, I, I can. Um, I don't know if I ever sent you the testimony from the court case. If not, it is available. It, it's a good read. Uh, but uh, um, uh, what happened was uh, David Graham uh, was uh, paying his mortgage on time. Uh, he was solicited by Bank of America for a loan modification. Um, they just solicited him uh, for no specific reason. Uh, now, Mr. Graham was going to retire, and he said, well, you know, I could go ahead and use a reduced mortgage payment, And but he had good credit. He, he was never late on any mortgage or anything else. So he decided to go ahead and take the offer, which was which was over the phone. And most of these offers for everybody was over the phone. But he took the offer, and, and he started uh, with a $400 reduced monthly mortgage payment. Now, that he thought that was great. What happened was uh, within a six-week period of time, uh, he started getting notices from his credit card company that he was only making partial payments on his loan, and they're going to reduce his uh, his uh, 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 credit. Now, uh, the, it was based on a credit report, but that's what the uh, credit card companies were saying, and he didn't know why. So he called up the Bank of America and said, "What what happened here? I'm, you asked me to go ahead and uh, and and you know reduce my monthly payments by four hundred dollars. Well, uh, the original note was never changed, the mortgage note. So what happens was when Mr. Graham started paying four hundred dollars less within the first month, he started that the original mortgage was in default because Bank of America never changed that." and they didn't tell him. They also started reporting Mr. Graham as being late, which by the HAMP program, uh, Home Affordable Modification Program, uh, that he was not supposed to report, be reported late if he was current prior to this loan modification process, but they report him late anyway. So he said, well, this isn't great. Let me try to get out of this thing, and when he asked, uh, tried to get out of this because he wanted to refinance, he couldn't because his credit was ruined. So he hung in with Bank of America for upwards to 18 months after this. And that's typical between 18 to 24 months. And they keep on going, um, they being the bank, keeps on going and offering a temporary modification to keep extending it every three months. The problem is, they're supposed to, the bank is supposed to tell Mr. Graham after 90 days whether he qualifies or not. So he keeps on paying this money to the bank for about 18 months. Uh, he pays the Bank of America about $22,000. And when he finished paying them that money, they finally write him a letter after 18 months and say, okay, you don't qualify for the loan modification at all, plus you owe us $7,000 in arrears to bring it back to where you were, where where you started. So you can understand he was a little bit upset with this because now he's losing his house. So he came to me. Uh, we, we A lot of people in Big Bear Lake knows me, uh, knows our, our programs that we're offering. And he came to me at the time when I was trying to decipher this HAMP program and where it was uh, causing problems with the homeowners. And 
we filed, he filed uh, with our with our help. Uh, we we helped him fill in their paperwork, uh, uh, and we also uh, 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 provide a declaration uh, to give to the judge. And I also provided this. I provided testimony at this at this hearing. Uh, he went to small claims court because uh, he didn't have the funds to pursue it in superior court. And of course, they would they would try to the Bank of America would try to bury any any sole practitioner with with enough paperwork that they just couldn't go anywhere. Um, when he went to court. Uh, basically, Bank of America showed up, but they had what we call uh, the the office worker there. Uh, they couldn't bring an attorney. Bank of America couldn't bring an attorney at this stage. They could only bring an attorney if it went to uh, appeal. Uh, so it was an interesting read because on the transcript, because when Dave started uh, telling, Mr. Graham started telling his story to the judge, uh, the judge asked, why are you here? Because Bank of America committed fraud. And we presented, as an expert, I presented the specific civil codes on my declaration to the judge. And the judge asked specific questions on the underlying reason whether it's a, it was a fraud committed by Bank of America. And what happened during this whole course of, uh, of testimony, Bank of America admitted that they were not trained, their people were not trained well enough to uh, deal with uh, uh, Mr. Graham and the HAMP program, uh, but they were trained to take his money. And that's what really got the judge going, because if you read the transcript over and over again, Judge was saying, but you're trained to take the money, right? You're not trained to tell Mr. Graham he's not qualified. And, and, what happened with this, it really snowballed for the rest of the country because that's the same thing happening to most of the people out there. Uh, they're solicited. Uh, they're, they're not told by the banks, whether Bank of America or any other bank, that once they participate in these loan modification programs, their credit is going to get whacked, number one, if they're current, and number two, the money goes not to service the loan, but to service an escrow account that's just been opened up for taxes and insurance. And Mr. Graham was paying his taxes and insurance by himself. He never had an escrow account, so he didn't know anything about it. So when they accumulate enough money for taxes and insurance for a year, then they put whatever left over after that's paid to service their original mortgage. And that's why people are always when they go in a loan modification program, are in worse situations if they were current than if they never went into the program in the first place. And it's maddening. What I'm just trying to wrap my head around <laughs> the training <laughs> to take the money. Uh, no, it's, it's kind of like a shell game. Um, so, the, so Bank of America, what was their position um, as far as Training. I mean, their best. What's? I can't really see the best defense there. I, I, I know what what they were saying. You have Bank America Credit Corporation, and you have a lot of banks that have a separate collection corporation. It's nothing more than a collection bureau. Bank America right. Credit Corporation and Bank of America. Bank of America is the one that gets the government funds uh, from signing Mr. Graham up, anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars, to sign Mr. Graham up on this loan modification program. So they have millions of people out there. Let's say they have uh, about two and a half million people that initially they're getting a thousand dollars a pop on just to sign them up, whether they're successful or not. So after three months, Bank of America knew 
in compliance with the HAMP program that he, Mr. Graham, did not qualify, and it was on their computer. That's what they testified to. They showed the judge. But when the judge asked, well, did anybody else in Bank of America know about it? No. Bank of America Credit Corporation didn't have access to these computers or any information, or they didn't know how to use that information. The only thing they were charged with was getting Mr. Graham's payment every month. And they kept on telling Mr. Graham, oh, your loan modification is under review, even though Bank of America already disapproved him for this loan modification. After three months, they kept on taking this money for an additional 18 months after that. Very, very interesting. The buck's got to stop somewhere. Apparently, Bank of America doesn't know where that is. We will be right back after we uh, listen to some law practice management resources and a message from our final sponsor, and then we'll get back to what steps we should be taking to protect ourselves and um, how to find out if you currently have a bad loan modification uh, scam scenario, um, You know what to do to take a look at your immaterial. So we'll be back in a moment. At first, we are going to listen to some law practice management resources. The first law practice management resources comes from the American Bar Association. Visit ababooks.org for all sorts of wonderful titles that will help you run your law firm. One today we'll read you about is Google for Lawyers, Essential Tips, Strategies, and productivity tools. These uh, productivity tools introduces novice internet searchers to to the diverse collection of information locatable through Google. The book discusses the importance of including effective Google searching as part of a lawyer's due diligence and cites case law that mandates that lawyers should use Google and other resources available on the internet where applicable. For intermediate and advanced users, the book unlocks the power of various advanced search strategies and hidden search features they may not be aware of. Again, Google for Lawyers, Essential Search Tips and Productivity Tools through the American Bar Association, ababooks.org. Secondly, from the Law Bulletin Publishing Company, you should subscribe to the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and Chicago Lawyer Magazine if you want up-to-date legal news from Chicago and around Illinois. Also, check out the Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for those lawyers going through a career transition. It also hosts a monthly career seminar for lawyers in flux in their careers. I am one of the weekly advice columnists uh, and the Attorneys in Transition blog published on the site, and on behalf of all the columnists, I hope you visit and leave your comment at attorneysintransition.com. Thirdly, the Law Practice Management School, offered by ALRPRA Incorporated. You can enroll in the webinars or simply buy our hands-on book, the nuts and bolts instruction on how to focus your efforts in law for management, marketing, technology, and finance. This is a great resource for new solo practicing attorneys. Email me at nick at alrpra.com for more information. Please include the Law Practice Management School in your subject line. Finally, from our uh, sponsor, Law of George Finder, credit damage expert George Finder, he is a, an expert who can put a dollar amount on damage to your credit reputation. Now, George Finder is one of the only credit damage experts in the country and attorneys and plaintiffs who have retained his services have earned huge damage awards in various practice areas such as personal injury, employment law, family law, and general civil litigation. 
By learning to incorporate credit damage questions into your intake process, you and your staff will learn how to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. Available nationwide, credit damage expert George Finder is available for consulting on damage to your credit reputation. His credit damage expert website is full of resources. Please visit creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. Reminder to callers out there, please don't be shy. Call in if you have a question or comment, 917-889-9732, option one to be placed in the queue. And again, as this show is promoted through many social media channels, if you do find a link to this show, please share it with others who can value, who can gain so much from the valuable uh, information in our programming. So back to our program now with Alan Sims. Alan, we talked a little bit uh, about the mortgage fraud problems generally, talked a bit about um, the case on which you recently worked with Mr. Graham. Um, now, if we could just focus a little on what next steps people should take to be aware as consumers and what sort of resources, again, if you could highlight, uh, does your organization offer and what any other information that can help our audience? Sure. We have a uh, – my organization is the Center for Litigation and Consumer Real Estate Education. Uh, the website is www.clcree.org. Uh, you can – it has a number of pages there that people can, can start looking at it. Uh, number one, let's get to where if people felt like they were in a bad mortgage, everyone, uh, every homeowner, and I, I, and I stress that to every class I teach, uh, should order a RESPA letter, R-E-S-P-A, and that linkage and the verbiage is there. And any attorney who wants to go ahead and qualify his client ahead of time should get his client to go ahead and get a RESPA letter out. Uh, it doesn't cost any money. Uh, they can get that information in there and at the attorney's intake session, then they can go ahead and, and compare one pile the bank-wide or one pile the uh, the client-wide. So you both go back and forth on this and you try to get a handle on this. Uh, the other thing for people right now in loan modification, because a lot of people are strapped. A lot of people want to get out of this bad loan. Uh, they don't know how to get out of it, but they consider it a loan modification that's been promoted from the government agencies and through the banks as a solution. Um, you can go to the bank, number one, and, and you can tell them, I'm in trouble, or I'm going to default in the future, or I'm going to miss next month payments, or right now I'm in, I'm in a rough shape because I'm, I'm, I'm late for two months. I've been hiding out. I'm not answering all my mails or phone calls. Get in contact with the bank. There are programs out there. Once you enter into those programs, you have a foreclosure stay on your home until uh, the the resources are are uh, are basically uh, you're at the end of the line during this the, during this loan modification process. So they can't foreclose on your home if you're involved like in a HAMP program during that period of time. So that will take a lot of burden off of homeowners. The other thing is. Uh, homeowners should be realistic with their expectations. I know you're emotionally attached to your home, but you have to realize is the mortgage you're paying more than you can go out and get a comparable house to rent. Uh, uh, try to break that bond and try to treat it as a business decision. You would go ahead and, 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 and uh, unload a, a non-performing stock. If the house is non-performing, look at it as a business decision. The other thing is 31%. You have to remember this. 
31% of your gross income on these programs will award you a permanent loan modification. And with that 31% of your gross income, that has to include your taxes and insurance on your home. A lot of these mortgages will not qualify. A lot of the individuals will not qualify. Uh, the banks will sidestep this. They will do anything they can to put you on a forbearance or a uh, loan modification that only lasts like five years at 2%, but you're still going to have to someday start paying that mortgage down. You have to decide whether or not the prices of your home are going to go back up, your appreciation. And as an appraiser, I'm not seeing that at this stage in a lot of scenarios. Uh, we're betting five years down the road. I don't know what's going to happen in five years down the road, except you're going to owe more money on your mortgage today than you did if, if you were to successfully uh, have a permanent loan modification and what they call a principal reduction on your mortgage. Uh, the mortgage, in another part, the mortgage is that you're going to modify is not based on the fair market value on your home. It's only based on the mortgage value. So you want to try and negotiate with the bank to get it down to a fair market value. Uh, maybe get an appraisal, maybe get whatever you want on it, and tell the bank what you want. Because in a roundabout sense, the bank's going to realize eventually that they can't do anything with all these properties they have. They haven't realized that yet because they're still getting our government bailout for, their, for these programs. Uh, consumers have to wake up on this, and they have to realize they were in a bad loan, whether it's their fault or whether they were a victim. That's what you need to talk to an attorney with, and I suggest strongly that, that you call up your, uh, your local bar association or you call attorneys up who specialize in real estate law to go ahead and, and get you on that right path. Uh, other than that, uh, start your program a loan modification program, and if it works for you and it helps your family out, then, then stick with it, try to make those those payments. Remember, uh, the, the, the loan modification uh, programs the banks have, they're overwhelmed. So many people in America are overwhelmed with paperwork. Don't get, don't get, uh, uh, um, don't get, upset because they're going to tell you, well, we lost your paperwork. You need to send it to us again. That's a typical thing because one department doesn't talk to the other one. I'm not making an excuse for the bank, but that's what happens, and that's why a lot of people get very frustrated about it. Now, I just wanted to, I'm just looking at uh, more information about the Center for Litigation and Consumer Real mm -hmm. Estate Education. Um, what, is there a cost in participating? Do you help with people who may have uh, loan modification documents they are reviewing? Do you help with that? Uh, our cost for um, going in and acting as an expert witness, whether it be a declaration, or and, and in California, I'm also a process server that allows me to to not serve the process on it, but allows me to help with the filling in on the on the uh, a small claims form. We also do a skip trace on it to make sure we have the right people uh, uh, so that they can go ahead and file uh, against the right uh, uh, defendants. Uh, we charge $250 for that. Uh, uh, that fee is also presented to the court, and uh, the court uh, sometimes can reimburse that fee back to the client. A lot of times they do. Sometimes the client just forgets to give them that, that, that receipt and hand them. And their court cost uh, in California runs uh, $75 plus, plus maybe another $20 for substitute service or certified mail service to the uh, banks that, that you're suing. And that's it. 
uh, and, and, and that's all that we really charge for our declaration. And, and, and we also have a training session. Uh, we we uh, provide uh, transcripts from some of our court cases so people get a feel of it. We want people to get uh, used to the court system. We, we ask them to go attend a small claims hearing uh, just to, uh, to witness how the judge asking their questions to get used to the bailiff, to, to the to the to the detector going in and out, and, and, and how the court system works. Uh, the biggest problem we have in small claims, and why I think attorneys really are needed in a lot of these cases, is most of my clients are afraid to speak in public. They need some assistance. So if some of the attorneys out there feel like there's there's an opportunity to 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 address it in a different venue, uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, but uh, at this stage, it seems like the monetary value for a lot of my clients are, are going in that area. But we don't know what's happening in the future. When they win, they might have some cash, and, and, and they want something done with their credit, so they might be able to afford some, or some additional services. Mm-hmm. And again, to uh, remind those out there, I, I know that it's not the primary uh, the primary business of uh, George Finder, but credit he is the credit damage expert. Uh, we've had him on the show several times. Um, CreditDamageExpert.com again is his website, which I am hoping that he can direct some people to those who um, will mm-hmm. work in the business of repairing the credit. Um, Alan, what are your websites again for your businesses? Well, for my appraisal business, it's alansims.com, A-L-A-N-S-I-M-S.com. And for the uh, Center for Litigation, it's uh, C-L-C-R-E-E.org. Very good. Alan, I hope that you, and I'm sure that you are keeping up on all the activity and changes going on in the yeah, housing and mortgage and bank and all the industries that are affecting so many homeowners. Um, so I hope that you will have some new information uh, if we do another show down the road um, with new uh, updates and such for our viewers. We would appreciate uh, your time for that as well. Well, thank you so much. And, again, it's an honor to be on your show, and, uh, and, and this has been fun. I, I enjoy uh, uh, telling uh, 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 everyone what we've been doing here in, in, our, in our little office in Redlands, California. <laughs> well, I think, I'm so glad that it's finally someone's doing something because for so many years uh, I've, I've, had, I've known a lot of attorneys who have been pretty active in consumer rights, and for so many years no one had a system put together for how to address these problems. And now people are putting together systems and uh, procedures to address and there are resources out there. So I'm so glad that you are a part of that, Alan. So I'd like to thank you and I'd like to also thank our listeners uh, for tuning in. And please also share this show with others you may find uh, that many people out there are looking for this information, and that's why we do these shows, to bring you the information that you can use. Again, we also like to thank our sponsors, the Intellectual Property Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme, Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group, credit damage expert George Finder. Some upcoming shows, visit ALRPRA.com forward slash law talk radio for upcoming broadcasts. On Thursday, we have Mary Erlane. We'll be here uh, talking about effective personal productivity, and uh, then on on Friday the 11th, we have another special uh, program. We have attorney Sahira Aziz 
from the Georgetown University Law Center who will be uh, talking to us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So that's very early for those of you on the West Coast, uh, early for us as well here in Chicago. So she will be talking about some of the updates on what's been going on in Egypt. Again, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may vary and are based on specific facts and location. The opinions expressed by guests are not necessarily the official opinions of ALRPRA Incorporated. Communication with our attorney guests among callers and guests on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. If you have further questions, you're always encouraged to consult with an attorney and or professional in your area. This program is politically neutral and objective. Counterpoints to views expressed on our shows are always welcome. Finally, callers do remain confidential and all rights as broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA Incorporated. Finally, we remind you that these Law Talk radio broadcasts are programmed to bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences the tips, tools, and practice area information they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. With guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for ALR PRA Incorporated, and we thank you for your time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.